Hey everybody, glad that you have tuned back in to Mavericks and Misfits. Welcome to all of you, those of you that are first time listeners. Thanks for uh, finding us. I don't know how you did, but thanks for finding us and thanks for taking a minute and probably actually about 30 minutes of your day and listening uh, to this podcast. We've been doing this uh, about two years now, about two years ago, I think this month, been doing um, this podcast and uh, just really blessed to be able to uh, get the feedback, be able to interact, be able to connect. And especially, you know, for me, just from my end, to be able to speak into lives of people that are hungry for a more authentic version of Christianity. Not that there are legitimate versions of Christianity, but there are a whole lot of representations of Christianity out there. And most of us over the years have grown a little dissatisfied with anything less than authentic. We we want what God wants, right? I mean, isn't that the bottom line with you? You want everything that God has for you and you want to be able to release everything you have for his glory. That's the heart of a Christian. We don't live for ourselves. We're not looking to build our own little K kingdoms. We're, we're literally seeking to connect with God on that meaningful level to where we can know him. Like if you ask me, what is my desire as a Christian? It has very little to do with preaching or leading or that's, I mean, all those things I do desire, but that's not my main desire. My, my hunger, what drives me is I want to know him. Like I want to know God almighty as intimately as I can by faith, because I know eventually that, you know, the time of faith is going to be over. This is my only opportunity to ever honor God by faith. When, when we get to glory, there'll be no faith needed. Everything becomes sight. And so God has ordained our lives down here. This is our only chance to honor him and know him and love him and pursue him, so to speak, um, by faith. And there's just something in the infinite heart of God that is deeply pleased when he sees people that are clay. You know, we're dust, we're clay. Yeah, we have this treasure, the gospel, Christ himself. We have it in jars of clay. And there's something about God's heart that says, look at them in their weakness. Look at them in their desire. Look at them in, in their humanity pressing in to know me. And what's interesting is it not only pleases him, it pleases us. And so I hope that's your heartbeat. That's kind of that's kind of the framework of everything I share on Mavericks and Misfits and our broader ministry called Transforming Truth. By the way, if you're new to the podcast, uh, check out transformingtruth.org. That is the umbrella ministry. That's really a ministry that began about uh, 16 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. And um, it was back in the day, it was a media ministry. It was a television ministry. It still is. We're still on TV, but it was just really <laughs> a low budget media ministry that God chose to bless and, you know, expand and everything. And if you go to transformtruth.org, there's a ton of free resources on that site. If you love the word of God, if you want to grow, if you like teaching and preaching, um, not it's not syrupy stuff. It's not artificial sweetener stuff. It's Bible. And if you are a person who like understands the dynamic need for the Holy Spirit, um, then Transform Truth will help you because it's a word and spirit. We, we don't make you choose between the word of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, we promote both and we operate in both because that's what the early Christians did. And we don't see any difference between who they were and how they lived and how, who we are and how we're supposed to live. Um, so yeah, check out transformingtruth.org. Before I launch into, I'm going to, I'm going to bring you a podcast today. It's a little different from what I usually do. And I'm actually going to just give you four words that, um, I think if you will pursue these things, this is like a nutshell summarized 
kind of distilled exhortation to you from four words that I try to pursue every day, every month, every year in my life. These four words that have helped me um, in my pursuit of God and my growth as a follower of Jesus and yeah, as, as a leader and um, wanting them even more so to characterize who I am as a friend, a brother, a husband, a dad, um, and, a, and a spiritual leader. So I'm going to give you those four, four words in a minute, but I'm going to invite you to an event um, that I'm going to be a part of that I think will help some of you guys. Y'all hear me talk about the North Georgia Revival uh, frequently enough on this podcast because it's a, it's a large part of my and Amy's lives. Um, we are up there every Sunday night in Dawsonville, Georgia at Christ Fellowship Church. And for more than four years, they've been hosting a, a true, biblically defined, Holy Spirit-emphasized revival with healings, with miracles, with deliverances, with salvations, and through a very unique means that a lot of the connecting point for what God's doing up there happens in the waters of baptism. And it's a um, unique move of God, and it is the most significant move of God that I'm aware of in our, in our region here in the southeastern United States. And what's amazing is that uh, Todd Smith, who is the apostle, he is an apostolic leader, the leader, apostolically speaking, of Christ Fellowship Church in the North Georgia Revival. Um, he is now going to different places in, in the nation and teaching pastors of churches of 30 or 40 people, sometimes 100 to 300 people, but mostly smaller churches, teaching them how to pursue and host the presence of God, how to be trained biblically in the word of God. And God has just set his hand on this thing. And then so there's an event coming up that I really feel compelled to share with you. Um, I, by the way, I'm, I don't get anything. Like if you go to this, this is 100% for you. This is not about me getting you to go so I'll get something. This is you. Um, it begins Sunday night, October 23rd. It's all day Monday into Monday night, the 24th of October. And then half a day, Tuesday the 25th. So it's basically an evening service on a Sunday night, an all day Monday equipping and exhortation service, and then half a day on Tuesday, the October 25th. What is it? It's the North Georgia Revival Leaders and Pastors Conference. So it's not just for pastors or positioned or ordained leaders. It's for anybody in the kingdom that wants their influence for the gospel to go into other places and to be deepened and, and honed and sharpened so that you're more effective as a leader or an influencer, whether you're a mom trying to influence your children or you're uh, you know, some apostolic missionary going to the nations. It, we're all influencing people. Leadership has been boiled down in a substructure of you, in the American church as you have a position, you have an ordination, you have these educational credentials, and therefore that makes you a leader. Well, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe a leader is somebody who has zero credentials, but they have a burning heart for Jesus, and they've been radically, beautifully wrecked by the power of God and the Word of God. Maybe that's the leader. So I'm just like, this is a conference for anybody that wants to deepen their influence. And it's cheap. Like there, it, the, I, I think the cost is like 20 bucks for three days. Um, so I want to point you to a website because this is coming up real soon. I should have gotten this on the podcast earlier, but Sunday, October 23rd through Tuesday, October 25th. And it's at go to cfchurch.tv. cfchurch.tv. That's the church website cfchurch.tv 
Christ Fellowship Church is the name of the church, cfchurch.tv, and then click on the events tab and it'll pop open your, your RSVP. And um, I'm going to speak at it on Monday afternoon. Jeremiah Johnson's going to be there. Corey Russell is going to be there. Of course, uh, Apostle Todd Smith will be there. And then I, I'm going to teach uh, the best teacher I've ever heard in my life. Karen Smith is going to teach a session. Um, David Edmondson, pastor of uh, Covenant Connections Church in a city not too far from where I am. He's, he's one of the North Georgia Revival host pastors. He's going he's gonna to preach, teach. And the conference is called Broken. <laughs> um, broken. So it's about brokenness. It's not about, hey, we're awesome. Come and learn from us. We're the gurus. It's how to be broken before God. Because the revival that God wants to host through you, through your home church, into your family, wherever it is, is going to come through an appropriate biblical brokenness that welcomes the power and, the, and the, the heart of God to be manifested through you. So go to cfchurch.tv and go ahead and register. All right, let me get to the four things I want to I want to share with you today. I do get this from people from time to time. A lot of times it's young people. And they're looking for some, you know, some practical directions. Some of them are looking for like, Hey, Jeff, how do we get to where you, you are in ministry and where you are as a leader? How do we get there um, tomorrow? <laughs> you know, they're just asking questions. You know, I don't, I don't, I appreciate their zeal, frankly. Um, but you, you can't get, you, you can't be in your 20s and get to where I am in my 50s without the process that needs to occur between 20 and 50. And what I will say this is, I do believe is because, we're closer to the end of the age than we obviously have ever been, but it like we're right up on it. I do believe there is an acceleration that's coming from heaven that is maturing people and equipping people more quick, quickly than in generations past. But a lot of times people are like, Jeff, what's the key? What are the keys to spiritual growth? What are the keys to a healthy relationship with Jesus? What are the keys for my life counting? What are the keys for being effective in the kingdom and leading and influencing people? What are, where are the keys? And I love people that ask those questions because they're rightly believing that there are some important key factors that if you don't have, it's not going to work well. Whatever it is, it's just not going to work well if you don't have some key things. So I'm going to give you a non-sensationalized list of four words in my remaining time today that I believe for me were non-negotiables and to this very day are they remain non-negotiables. I have to live these four words out and I have to um, deepen in them, mature in them, prioritize them. And like, you're probably going to have to just check your heart because they're not super sensationalized. They're not super cool. Like they're not neon. They're not 4K Ultra D. You know, they're just four words that for almost 30 years for me as a believer, I found that never move out of my life. They're constantly in play. Other things move in for a season and move out. Um, there are other things that, you know, God takes away from my life, but these four things are constants. So let me give you the four words. And then for the remaining time, I'm going to unpack them. And, and I'm not giving you everything. I can't. We're talking 30 years worth of understanding and growth in these areas. I can't give it to you in the remaining 20 minutes of the podcast, but I'm going to give you these four words and maybe remember them, write them down 
and, and, and get into the presence of God and ask where you are on these four things. All right, so here's the four things that never move out of my life. These are the four words that I consider essential for my own spiritual growth. Here's the first one. Believe. Believe. For me, that's not just believing with the mind, but trusting with the heart. It means I have to believe and trust God every day. And I should be believing him and trusting him more today than I was yesterday. We'll come back to that. So the first word is believe. The second one is wait. W-A-I-T. Wait. Waiting upon the Lord. You're never done waiting. And as long as you are pursuing the Lord for greater depth, as long as you're desiring to experience greater aspects of his glory and personal intimacy, you'll always be waiting in a certain sense. doesn't mean you'll be waiting empty handed. It just means when you're always wanting your heart, your life, your understanding, your spirit to be more full, then you're always waiting on the filler. That's him. First word is believe. Second word is wait. Third way. Third word is obey. Believe, wait, obey. Do what you are supposed to do. Do what God says. Do what the Bible instructs. Do everything that a Christian is to do because God doesn't bless negligence. He doesn't advance um, procrastinators. God does not endorse our partial obedience. So first word, believe. Second word, wait. Third word, obey. Fourth word, endure. And the fourth word, enduring, is kind of like the context of believing, waiting, and obeying. Enduring means don't ever wake up and think you ought to be done by now. And don't ever wake up and say, because you're not done, because you haven't arrived, because it hasn't turned into glory yet, then you should quit. So I told you those words weren't going to be like super sensationalized. Let me tell you them again. Believe. Trust. 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 Believe. Second word, wait. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We're told to wait. And then you obey and then you endure. So let's walk through these, okay? This is going to be rapid fire. And I'll probably weave in some testimony. So believing, that first word is, it boils down to the whole essence of the Christian journey. Do you trust God? Not do you know Bible. Not do you have systematic theology. Not do you have a degree. Not do you have giftings. The, the bottom line of the Christian life is it's a relationship of trust. You have to believe God. You have to believe who he is. You have to believe what he says. And you have to, you have to trust when he is doing what he's doing. Now, belief is not just some in trust. I use those words interchangeably here. They're, they're not, it's not just some... You know, feeling some surge of confidence. Believing means you, you've got to know who you're believing. Like you can't trust God any higher than the degree that you understand that he's trustworthy. So how do you trust somebody if you don't know them? You take somebody else's word for it. 
Well, then there will invariably come a place where you can't trust that person because you don't have your actual own understanding of who that person is. You're just going off of somebody else's trust. And then there will come a risk point where you're like, hmm, I don't want to go off of what they said. I don't know if I can trust this person because I don't know them. Well, it's the same thing in our relationship with God. If you're, if you're drafting behind your parents' faith or you're drafting up behind your spouse's faith or you're drafting off of what the prophets and the pastors and the apostles and the evangelists and the teachers say about God, but you don't have any personal understanding yourself, it's not in you, it's not like situated down in your soul, then you can't trust him well. You'll struggle with trust. So in order to believe God, you've got to know him and his primary source of revelation about himself is his word. Like I tell people all the time, are you reading your Bible? Well, I've just been busy. Oh, okay. Well, that's why your, your trust is flagging right now. That's, well, you know, I, I, I used to be a good Bible student. I got enough Bible knowledge. Well, that's great. That Bible knowledge back in the day served that day. What are you knowing right now? What are you believing right now? How are you trusting right now? Because life has changed since you once trusted in God, since you once studied the word, since you once had these these appetites for God's truth. You see, the Bible is God's self-revelation. It's like he wrote a book and he said, here, this is all about me. Read it. And when you read it, you'll know me. And as you know me, you'll go in deeper because you'll want to pursue me. The more you start learning about me, the more you're going to want to know me and the more you're going to have a hunger to learn about me. And so you have to believe God and then you have to trust him because the word of God reveals that he's absolutely trustworthy. Like he is absolutely 100% trustworthy. No, no, no ambushes in the sense of him failing to be who he said he would be. But trust means that you have to trust what he says about himself when everything else around you is seemingly contradicting what he says about himself. So that's the first thing, believing God and trusting God. You must do so. The second word, of course, was waiting. Man, I just, I, I wish I could tell you differently because like, this is not a strong natural strength for me. I don't like to wait. I mean, I straight up do not like to wait in the natural. It's impatience. It's hastiness. It, it can be rashness. It can be um, impulsiveness to, you know, to the point of being negligent, doing things impulsively. But waiting is a signal of maturity. You're waiting on the Lord. You're waiting on his hand. You're waiting for him to orchestrate circumstances outside of you that come into alignment with what he has said inside of you. Um, it's not a twiddle your thumbs, kind of tap your toe waiting impatiently. It is, a, it is an abiding. It's, a, it's, again, connected to trusting and believing. It means I, I've come to learn who God is. I'm growing in it, but I know who he is. I know what he said. I'm in prayer. I'm seeking him. I'm hearing him. My life is free of uh, intentional sin or willful sin. I live with a heart positioned for repentance. doesn't mean I'm perfect all the time, but it just means when I'm imperfect and I sin, I keep short records of it. I repent immediately. I make it right with God. I make it right with people. And so I know I'm walking in the spirit. I'm walking in his will. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord to clarify externally what he has spoken internally. And guys, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. If you can't wait on the Lord, you're not going to do much in the kingdom of God. And you're not going to experience him the way he loves to be experienced. Like if, if you're more interested in getting done what he, you think he needs to do for you, if you're more interested in that than waiting with him, waiting upon him, waiting in him, then you're more about you than you are about him. And he's just not going to bless that. 
doesn't mean he doesn't love you. doesn't mean that he's not going to, you know, <laughs> be real to you. It's just that, uh, like he wants you. He doesn't want you to want him for what he can do for you. He wants you to want him because he's worthy of being wanted. And so therefore he does work on different timetables with different people. Um, he's made me wait because I, I'm a man of action. I love to do stuff with God. I do. I just straight up do. Uh, I'm not, I'm less of a contemplative. I don't sit around just, you know, sipping my coffee and thinking lofty thoughts about God all day long. I'm like, Lord, give me a thought to think. Let me act upon it. He goes, I will, but you're going to wait. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I waited yesterday. He's like, yeah, you're going to wait today. Well, Lord, I, I was really good at waiting yesterday. Can I be rewarded with some action? Can you make something happen right now? Cause I've got some great stuff that I think I want to do with you. He's like, yeah, we're going to do that, but you're going to wait. Well, Lord, the times are getting dark and people are, you know, struggling and there's a great need in the earth. He's like, yeah, Jeff, I've got all of that under control, but I'm going to make you wait because I actually don't need you. I love you. I want you. But Jeff, I don't need you. The kingdom was getting along awesomely before you were born again, Jeff. And it's going to be fine when you're dead and gone and you're up home and, you know, with me forever and ever. The kingdom will be just great. I'm like, yeah, but Lord, you've gifted me. And you've called me. And you've assigned me. He's like, yeah, you're going to wait. You're going to wait. <laughs> Does he ever have conversations with you like that? <laughs> so eventually you just quit negotiating. <laughs> you just get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm going to wait. And I'm telling you, man, in my 20s and 30s, I was not good at it. I got, I got a little bit better in my 40s because he took away my options. And, you know, here I am in my early 50s and I'm just like, yeah, waiting on the Lord is not my favorite thing. But, man, at least I'm waiting with him. I would rather wait on God and be still and not let out of the gate not allowed to run at full tilt. I would rather be in a still place waiting, seemingly doing nothing than I would be rather running ahead and having all this energy and all this activity and all this stuff. But God's still in the waiting place and I've left him. So yeah, you're going to believe you're going to trust and then you're going to wait on the Lord. And then when the time comes, which is by the way, all the time, there's a certain instance, this third word is in play all the time. What is it? Obey, obey the Lord. Like that's part of being a Christian. Sadly, because of an overcorrection against legalism and against the religious spirit, there's a, there's a lot of Christians that think, well, to obey is to strive. To obey is to be legalistic and under the law. To obey is the posture of a servant, not a son or a daughter. That's just ignorant. You're just ignorant if you believe that. If you excuse disobedience and you cloak it under the doctrine of grace and mercy and compassion and God is more interested in who we are than what we do, you have misused those teachings. So I've got to obey. And by the way, I want to obey. I don't feel shackled when I'm obeying God. God restricts my impulses. God partners with me to be daily carrying my cross, which is emblematic of the crucifixion of my flesh, dying to myself, dying to the world, dying to the temptations of the enemy. Like he's actually, he wants me to obey that. And so there are moral obediences. There are relational obediences. There are cultural things that as a Christian living as with my primary citizenship, as a citizen of heaven, that I have to obey some cultural stuff that it connects to my secondary citizenship, which for me is a citizen of the United States and a citizen of the state of Georgia. Like there's laws I've got to obey as unto the Lord. 
Like I'm not so delivered from, you know, (laughs) this present reality, born again, high and lifted up, seated with Christ in the heavenly places. All of that is true. Like we are, we have, we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We are seated on high. God's lifted us up so that we're not primarily earthbound people, but I'm not so delivered from those, those earthly realities that I still don't have to like obey laws. Like I still have to do what the Lord says to do, but there's a different aspect of obedience. This is more connected to him commissioning you, him releasing you, him calling you, him spotlighting. This is your purpose for this season. This is your assignment. And man, we have just lost it on this thing. Like we are so addicted to the notion that God's assignments are always strategically moving up, 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 better, 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 more money, more money, more money, promotion, 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 promotion. And if something doesn't look like a promotion or a clear externally beneficial advancement, we just assume it's not God. And guys, you have to obey. Like sometimes God will tell you to leave a place of prominence and go to a place of wilderness and you have to obey. He did that with um, Philip in the book of Acts. Philip is like in the middle of a massive revival in Samaria. People getting healed, people getting delivered, people getting saved and right in the middle and Philip's leading it. And right in the middle of it, the Lord says, leave here right now and start walking through the wilderness and so he does so, and in that desert, he meets a, an Ethiopian eunuch who was the kind of like the uh, chief magistrate under the Queen Candace from Ethiopia. And Philip gets sent out in the middle of a desert, has to leave a revival to go to a desert to lead one person into the kingdom. And he obeyed. There were times where Paul is writing in the book of Acts, and he talks about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do a podcast on this, by the way. The Holy Spirit shutting doors. The Lord did not allow us to go to this place. The Holy Spirit said, do not go to this place. And like Paul's like, hey, I got to do some stuff for God. I'm I'm called, I'm assigned, I'm an apostle, I'm commissioned. I got to do this stuff for God. But he was so sensitive to know when God says, yeah, that's a good idea to go there, but that's not what I'm telling you to do. Don't do it. And Paul obeyed. And so there's going to be time in your life where you just got to obey God and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be unreasonable to some of the people around you. And they're going to try to talk you out of it. You better obey. You better do what the Holy Ghost says. Like you you need to do that. And you're going to be so happy that you did. Like obedience is awesome. God gave me this word. uh, I was at a conference uh, a few weeks ago up in North Carolina. And while uh, a man was preaching, he was really, really stretching our faith. Just really, really stretching it. And God spoke to me, he goes, Jeff, you're much better at obeying than you are trusting. I was like, what? Jeff, you're much better at obeying than you are trusting. And he took me down just to like, this all happened in about a three minute time period. And he shows me because I love to obey him that sometimes I just sit around waiting for him to clearly define what I'm supposed to do so I can obey him. But I'm not as good as saying, Lord, what are you saying? Let me discern it. I want to trust you. I want to step out. I want to risk it. I don't like my risk trust factor is not as developed as my clarity and obedience factor. Sometimes God wants you to obey when he's not giving you all the details. That's that again, that first word, believe and then obey. So how are you doing on obedience? Are you, are you kind of 
Are you negotiating like the peripheral stuff? Oh, I'm pretty much obedient. I obey the big stuff, but I'm dabbling in this over here. I'm not really interested in hearing God on this matter over here. I'm tolerating this over here in my life. Well, you're not obeying and you're, you're just going to stagnate. God does not prosper the disobedient Christian. He doesn't. The devil will. <laughs> the devil will make sure you get all sorts of prosperity in your disobedience because he doesn't ever want you to be connected to God. He wants you connected on to results. So the devil convinces a lot of people that they must be doing the will of God because there's blessing on them. And God's like, yeah, I'm actually not blessing you. The enemy is to keep you trapped in your disobedience and your lack of trust. And then, of course, we have that fourth word. And so I'm going to finish here. Endure. Now, let me recap. These four words describe four things in my life that are ever present, ever hopefully maturing, deepening. They never go away. I never graduate from them. I never graduate from believing. I never graduate from waiting. I never graduate from obeying. And I never graduate from enduring. You can believe, you can wait, and you can obey. But if you don't endure, all of the believing, all of the waiting, all of the obeying is worthless. Because it comes to an end. Enduring means you're in it for the long haul. It means you do not quit. It means you do not back down. It means you will not give in to bitterness. It means you will not give in to offense. It means that no matter what obstacles are ahead of you, you believe that the God that you trust is greater than the obstacle. You wait on his, uh, his timing and his advancement around or over or through that obstacle. And you obey every single step that is needed in order to get around that obstacle. That means you endure. Endurance is the end of the age theme. There's so many warnings about those that do not endure. And my goodness, what good is it if I live 20 years of a Christian life and then in year 21, 22, and 23, I slowly fade out and quit and go move on to other things. It means all of those 20 years were worthless, worthless. Don't talk to me about pragmatics and practicality. Well, Jeff, some good was done by those people during those 20 years. I'm talking about their soul. I'm talking about their walk with God. I'm talking about their relationship. If we don't endure, we don't overcome and we don't win and there'll be no reward. Nothing. Like when you quit on God, nothing you did before the quitting point has any reward on it. Nothing. Not for you. We're actually told in scripture, let no man beguile you of your reward. We're, we're told in scripture that those endure to, who endure to the end and overcome, those are the ones that are rewarded. And it's in the enduring where things are going to get hard. They're going to get tough. They're going to get brutal at times. And the, the test is you, you, you might want to quit. Well, where are you going to go? No, no, seriously, where does the person who quits on God go? They're tormented. Because they know that everything is wrapped up in God through Jesus Christ and they just quit on him and they got nowhere to go. They're spiritually homeless. They're emotionally wrecked. They're mentally bewildered in their soul. There's agony, agony because they just quit and failed to endure on everything they've been building their life on, on their believing, on their waiting <laughs> and on their obeying. And then they hit hard spots and they're just like, I can't do this anymore. So I speak over you that that's not going to happen with you. Those four words are extremely important to me. Pray them over yourself. Start asking God to just get alone with God and say, Lord, where am I on these things? Where am I on believing you and trusting you? Lord, will you help me because I have a hard time waiting on you? You did hear me confess that that's a problem for me, right? So I'm not, I'm not judging. 
Like I have to wait upon the Lord and I'm much better at it now than I was even five years ago. But it, the, the way that you will learn how to wait on God is he makes you wait. <laughs> it, it's not a zap from heaven. It's not a Holy Ghost whammy that somebody imparts to you at the altar and then all of a sudden you're, you're an impeccable waiter. No, he makes you wait. That's how he develops the waiting in you. And obey, obeying, like I've got to obey, man. I've just got to do what God says. Sometimes the people around me don't understand that. It'll leave you misunderstood when you obey the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life. It doesn't mean you're unaccountable to others. And it's wise to get input from proven counselors. But um, eventually it boils down to God looking at you and saying, what are you going to do with what I told you to do? What are you going to say? How are you going to respond? And you're going to respond, yes, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'll trust you with the cost that's involved. I'll trust you with my reputation. I'll trust you with the outcome, but I'm going to obey you. So bless my obedience. And then we're going to endure because Jesus hasn't come back yet. You're not done enduring. Why? Because Jesus hasn't come back yet. When Jesus comes back, you don't have to endure anymore. Not in by faith. Like you just be so fully given to abiding. And eventually he removes everything that would serve as an opposition to your delight in him. I can't wait for that to happen. Like right now, we are opposed in our delighting in Jesus. We're opposed in our living for him. But there's coming a season. He's going to take care of it. There'll be nothing left to oppose us, and it'll be all delight, all abiding, all perfection. But until then, endure. Okay? All right, time's up. Thanks for tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. Don't forget, go to cfchurch.tv cfchurch.tv and sign up for the North Georgia Revival Leaders and Pastors Conference. You won't regret it. Make the time. Invest a little bit of time to invest in you. And uh, hopefully I'll see you up there, okay? All right, God bless. Tune in next week for another episode. We'll see you then. Actually, we won't see you. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.